I ate a lot of pickle chips this morning. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to widgmo.com and check them out. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 46 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Howdy. We have Merrick Christensen. Hey guys. AJ O'Neill. I was informed that I'm not actually alive. <laughs> Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And real quick, I just want to uh, mention, I know that uh, most of the people who listen to this show are JavaScript developers, but if you're interested in learning Ruby on Rails, then I'm going to be teaching a course. Uh, it starts in March. And uh, you basically get unlimited access to me during the course, access to forums. Um, it's going to be online, live training, and then coding and Q&A. So if you're interested in that, go to railsrampup.com and sign up. Now, what does uh, unlimited mean when you're talking about access to you? If I, if I'm, <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> if I'm awake, I'm probably available to answer the, your questions. Do panelists get discounts? Um, if you're interested, I could probably work something out. Interesting. In fact, I'm I'm offering a discount for uh, anyone who listens to the podcasts. If you go and sign up and you enter the coupon code podcast, um, it'll give you two hundred dollars off. Oh, nice, nice. Panelists only get fifty bucks off, though. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's like my dad when he uh, graduated from dental school. His cousin came up to him and said, "So." Do we get a family discount? And he says, yeah, I'll charge you 50% more. <laughs> no kidding. That's the, that's the vice of working with family. That's so true. But, and that's, uh, we know that all too well in the tech industry. When people ask me, hey, can you fix my computer? I'm like, what is a computer? <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? Oh, I sent an email to all my brothers and sisters, and I basically said, unless you were responsible for conceiving either myself or my wife, you don't get free tech support anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. The truth. So, yeah, and I have nine brothers and sisters, so I, I literally cut out, like, a whole bunch of freeloaders by doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, so my sister, she'll babysit for me, and then and then I'll help her with her computer. So, anyway, um, this week we're going to be talking about staying up to date. Um, staying up to date uh, probably on JavaScript, but... I think this is a general enough topic to where it's pretty much any tech topic. It seems like there's a lot of information out there. Um, a lot of it is stuff that I like hear about in passing, but I, I don't really know what it all means, and I don't really know where to go find out about it. And so I'm going to ask a couple of questions just uh, from where I'm coming from, and then you guys can kind of tell me where to go to get the information. Beautiful. One of the things that I keep hearing about is, um, like... Uh, ES6 or ES7 or some of the features in upcoming versions of JavaScript or ECMAScript. And I know that there's a mailing list. I don't remember what it's called, but there's a mailing list where they discuss this stuff. But are there any other good places to really explain what this means? What these things are? Sure. So one of the biggest things I'd recommend, uh, the mailing list, I, I mean, if, you, if you're strong in heart and you're resilient, dig through the mailing list by all means. But for the rest of us, uh, Follow ES Discuss on Twitter. It's run by Dominic Denicola, 
we had him on uh, the podcast to talk about promises, but uh, it's essentially a Twitter account that gives you bite-sized, consumable uh, discussions about what's going on with the ECMAScript committee. So I've really enjoyed that. The other thing is uh, there's a project on GitHub called Six, uh, I think, and it's essentially a, a transpile language. It's by a guy named uh, Matthew Robb. And it's uh, essentially a transpiler from ECMAScript 6 into regular JavaScript. And it's just awesome to be able to play with the new syntax. And it feels kind of like you're consuming a library at that point. Kind of like you'd write CoffeeScript, but instead you're running a 6 command. And it lets you play with some of the newer stuff. So I was kind of thinking as you brought up the topic of like ES6 harmony and stuff, <clears throat> I, wouldn't it be valuable to explain why... It, it's valuable right now to be up to date on the next version of JavaScript rather than just waiting until it has its official approved release. Yes, that would be definitely interesting, especially since for the most part, the people that I deal with, they're in, they're only dealing with it on the web and they only really care insofar as it impacts their web application and uh, knowing what's coming down the pike, you know, it, totally. it, they, they don't even know why that impacts them. Sure. So, so I would say it's always key to know where, you know, what's coming down the pipeline. A lot, a lot of the reason because it'll make your code more future proof, but also it keeps it not boring, you know, like, like knowing that you're facing a problem in a language and knowing the language is going to address that problem is, is just an exciting thing, at least for me as a developer. And, and knowing how the language is going to resolve it gives you a really good idea of how you can resolve it now. For example, if I know that in the future I'm going to be able to use for each map reduce, etc., um, which you can in most browsers now, but this was the case when ECMAScript 5 was brewing, you would you would use underscores for each map reduce or your own polyfill or whatever. So it gives you a good idea of how to align yourself with the paradigm of the language, so your code is less awkward, I guess. I think there's also another reason to stay up to date, and that is. Even though ES6 is just, you know, right now it's it's in proposal stage, right? Oh, they're still talking about it all the time, yeah. yeah. So even though it's not necessarily a release thing, browsers are implementing pieces all the time. So sometimes, you know, especially if you're doing an app that's very limited to a specific browser, you can actually use pieces of it today. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're going to talk about that, I mean, you can... A lot of the ideas in ECMAScript 6 are, are pulled pretty shamelessly from CoffeeScript. Which is great. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the 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 fat arrow destructuring. I mean, there's a, there's a few of the features that I think rest parameters come from CoffeeScript splats, interpolation of strings. I mean, some of them are just general programming concepts. But Brent and Ike pretty shamelessly said, like, yeah, there's a lot of things that CoffeeScript has been a test bed for. Hmm. Um, so so the point is is a lot of these language features you can actually use today. For example, if you use TypeScript. Uh, you're going to be able to use ECMAScript 6's class syntax. We're getting classes in JavaScript. You're going to be able to use their modules, which are transpiled to AMD modules. You know, TypeScript is aiming to be able to support all the ECMAScript 6 features that are doable in a transpiler. And so, consequently, a lot of this stuff is relevant today. If you use, you know, if you want to use these libraries, you're going to have to use a transpiler, but like 6 or TypeScript, but, but you can use them. Right. And there's also for Node.js, there's that 
one ES6 transpiler that's by Google, I think. I don't recall the name of it right now. Do you know? I think it's six. That's what I've been talking about. But if we're going to talk about well, Note... It, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so you can you can NPM install a couple of Node modules that you can write ES6 and then just run it normally, you know, just have it part of your stack of software. Yeah, and and... You know, Node, you can actually run with certain Harmony flags turned on. So when you kick up Node, there's a, a bunch of flags you can pass in for V8 options to essentially enable certain Harmony features, which is really cool. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And the thing is, is um, I think as things move ahead with things like Node.js, I mean, there, there are version compatibilities that you may run into. But with, with the browser, it seems like a lot of times there are ways to make it just backward compatible. But the, the nice thing is, is, or the thing that, that comes to me the most is you're talking about like the for each features or the looping features or some of these other things that are going to come into ECMAScript 6 that really make your code easier to deal with and more expressive. And so if you have something that can backfill that compatibility to older browsers, then it's, it's not so much that, you know, you can do things uh, or, you know, you can do things in, in ECMAScript 6 that you couldn't before, but it just makes the code easier to handle. And, and, and that makes your life better. Does that make sense? Like, Oh, it totally does. And that's what I love about what these guys are doing is they're designing the language about the way it's being used. You know, they're not like doing a bunch of crazy one-off things that aren't relevant. They're like all going to make things more consumable uh, in the way that JavaScript is used today. The... Just on that topic about other things you can do to stay up to date on ECMAScript 6 is follow Brendan Eich on Twitter. He's the guy that created JavaScript. Follow Rick Waldron. He's on the TC39 uh, committee, and he does Johnny5 as well, which is like robots with JavaScript. Those two guys do a lot of banter, and whenever people have problems with ECMAScript 6 or whatever, they'll reach out to those guys and and uh, complain, and they'll respond as wonderful people like they are. All right, cool. Yeah. So another question I have is, it seems like you guys are pretty hip to uh, some of the new cool libraries that are coming on the scene for JavaScript. Um, I think some of that's probably because you're using it more frequently and more in-depth than I am on a regular basis. But I wonder, where do you get news about cool and interesting things that are going on uh, in the JavaScript community, new libraries and stuff like that. So, I follow a whole a whole league of people on Twitter, and I've found that Twitter is excellent for that. However, it can also burn you out pretty quick. At least for me, I find that my burnout is correlative to the amount of time I spend on Twitter. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I can watch them rise in parallel. But obviously, following like some of the bigger players on Twitter, like Derek Bailey's behind Marionettes. Vision Media, he did like Express and Stylus and pretty much everything on Node. Substack, uh, Max Ogden. Following these kinds of people on Twitter will just give you a, a, a whole glimpse into that world. But maybe you get a little bit burned out like I do. It's not enough to stop me, but if you do, sign up for Peter Cooper's JavaScript Weekly and you'll get a newsletter in your inbox every week. And it's it's got sections for like, these are the libraries that came out. These are, you know, the popular articles. And he does an excellent job aggregating, you know, the latest in JavaScript in the JS Weekly newsletter. So sign up for that. I don't get any kickback or anything like that for mentioning it. I just think it's an awesome newsletter. 
Yeah, totally awesome. In addition to that newsletter, he's also got newsletters for CSS, and he's got a different one for HTML5. So yeah, I love Peter's stuff. He he does such a great job with a lot of that stuff. Yeah, he does, and and also like uh, following uh, Badass JS on Twitter. That's kind of like an aggregate of interesting things on in JavaScript. Seb Lee, if you're interested in creative kind of JS like visualizations. But they're, I mean, I'm, I'm dropping a lot of names, but these guys are all very much worth following and keeping track of. Uh, Sebley does creative JS, which is really interesting work. Like, if you can't tell, Twitter is kind of a, a staple for me in terms of keeping up, but it definitely burns me out, so those newsletters are nice. Yeah. Are there any blogs or anything that you guys read? Ben Allman, he does Grunt JS. He did, I'm, 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 I noticed I was talking fast, so I'm trying to slow down intentionally, so hopefully I don't sound stoned or anything like that now. But uh, Ben Allman's blog is awesome, primarily because he always takes things from an angle like he doesn't hear what everyone else is talking about. Like, he's just trying to solve the problem with his own head. He takes a lot of, like, common conceptions, like about the single VAR principle, and he comes at them from a very pragmatic standpoint, and I really, really like that. James Burke, he's, like, one of my heroes honestly his blog is really interesting if you're interested in modules and javascript modules los techies which is Derek bailey's blog is really interesting if you're interested in backbone etc what do you think joe um one of my favorite blogs to follow uh started when i was doing uh net development but i've continued to follow it it's uh alvinashcraft.com and that'll be in the show notes it's actually a net centric um, it's a daily, it's just a daily list of links of interesting news articles, stories about programming, and it's centered around .NET, but because the web has become so popular, a fairly significant portion of the links are just de- generic web JavaScript type links that have nothing to do with .NET by itself. And I find that he gets, he stays pretty up to date on interesting new stuff, so I get a lot of links to interesting articles cool new things. I mean, I'm just glancing at today's and the one of the very first, the first link I see under web development is HowlerJS, a cross-browser JavaScript audio playback library supporting, supporting audio sprites. So, you know, right off the, right off the bat, his very first link is just a very generic JavaScript. So I always scan his blog and just go through and look for the generic JavaScript type links or HTML5-like type links. Yeah, and so this isn't, I mean, generically speaking, the change log, uh, I'm sure you guys have seen it because it's on GitHub's homepage, but that is one of the coolest blogs. Like, I find so many tools, uh, just like different things like Powerline for Vim. That was one of my favorite finds. Just different things like that. Uh, and it gives you a, a, a overview on open source, but they do it in a way that's very practical for for no matter what technical thing you're interested in. So that's the change log. And I definitely would recommend following them, uh, their, their reader, um, sorry, their RSS feed. And it's a shame to not mention Reddit. I got to mention Reddit, uh, like our JavaScript. People post interesting libraries and they get voted up or down, etc. So you, so our programming, just different Reddit rooms. Stay away from Hacker News if, unless you, like the cynicism and depression that follows. At least that's for me. Like, I read Hacker News and I want to go cut myself, you know? Like, it's just so depressing. Yeah. Totally. 
Hacker News is like becoming so, the new YouTube comments. Yeah. I'm a little more conservative with the time I spend on blogs. So what I found to be most effective is to follow at Jurgison and at I am Merrick. And when they retweet <laughs> something, it's normally the best of the best. Thank you. Yeah, you know, Jurgison is awesome actually. Th- that's that yeah. And and that's truthful. Like I really I really do that. Like I wait for one of you two guys to retweet it before I go out <laughs> and look at it because I just I, I like learning new things, but I don't want to learn all the things. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. I, I spend a good amount of time filtering stuff. Like, I, I get very burned out because of it, though. Sometimes it's I can get very exhausted with all the new stuff that comes out because JavaScript is not a slow pace right now, no. which I love. But uh, I love that, but I, I, I honestly get really depressed at how mean people are to other people it's just kind of like oh man like everybody's just trying to get by man (laughs) you know (laughs) that's kind of the next question that i was gonna um head toward was basically filtering the things that you you care about it's it's hard for me sometimes to look at like the title or even the summary of something on javascript weekly or um one of these other um services you know reddit and really know if it's something that I, I want to spend my time on. And since I'm so busy, it's really hard for me to, you know. Totally. Does that, yeah. So I, I, I'm curious as to how you decide what is relevant to you. Unfortunately, I, I have this mental problem where I feel like everything everywhere is relevant to me. And if I don't look into it, then I'm worthless human being. So I'm probably not the best person to ask that because I, I can be obsessive about this stuff. I like to pick uh, topics that are of interest to me. Like anything that's about oh, Angular, TypeScript, or craftsmanship, I'll read about. Uh, most of the stuff about any of the MVC frameworks I'll read about. So <clears throat> I like to pick topics that right off the bat seem interesting. So for example, that Howler thing on audio, that's not terribly interesting to me, so I wouldn't jump right on that. But other things that are... I like to click through and just look, one, at the size of what it is. Yeah. You know, is it a short little article? If it's a short little article, then, hey, even if I waste a little bit of my time, then reading four paragraphs is not that much of a waste. So it might be worth it if it's a short article to queue it up. And, you know, you also have to have your queuing technology for... Um, yeah, read it later yeah. is, like my, is my hero. I used to use Instapaper till read it later became free. And it's just awesome. You just find an article, you say read it later, and it saves it for you for later. Yeah. And it also saves it in a beautiful format. One of the things, too, if if you really don't want to dig through stuff, it doesn't take a whole lot of pattern matching to see the same stuff popping up over and over and over again. Right. Like, good stuff has a way of bubbling to the top. Or I should say interesting stuff. Um. And so if, if you if you follow the right blogs and you follow the right people on Twitter, you'll start to see things uh, that go away and things that definitely just keep kind of getting mentioned. And those are the interesting things. Those are the things that, at least for me, like I want to. Like I constantly am seeing demos, and, and those demos will be using 3JS. And it's like that, that project has substance. I mean, it's not something you hear talked about a lot in JavaScript because... I mean, let's face it, we're all unfortunately spending a lot of time with divs and paragraphs, tags, and CSS, you know what I mean? Like, the unfortunate plight of web development. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we're not all able to do awesome stuff with 3D <laughs> programming, but but 3JS has substance. I mean, if you look at that, that project is amazing. Like it is amazing. Like if you want to go learn about about just like computer science, it's just an amazing bit of work, and and it keeps coming up. And I think that implies something else that's important to understand, and that is, if you don't spend an hour a day keeping up to date, that's not a problem, right? You don't need to worry about missing something, because if it's only mentioned once, it's probably not worth your time. It, unless you're, <clears throat> unless that's your thing, is you want to stay up on everything. But if you, you're busy, you only have uh, a few hours a week, or even a few minutes a week to stay up on, on, on something, find, subscribe to people on Twitter, Pick your favorite blogs, whatever. And when you get that time, go through them, scan through them, and see. You get a general feeling for what you see, and then the next time you do it, if you see something that popped up again, and the next time mm. again, hey, then that's an indication. Whether you do it every day or you do it once a month. Yeah. The trouble with Twitter is that it's just so full of noise. Oh yeah. So much discussion about. Uh, I'm not saying people don't shouldn't talk about this stuff by any means, but from my perspective, I don't, I don't, I don't care for it. But like politics. And like, you know, atheism versus religion, et cetera. Like, I'm totally okay that people want to talk about that stuff, but it certainly deludes a lot of this stuff in terms of staying up to date. I think there's room for someone, and perhaps it exists. Uh, hit me on Twitter if it does, because I would love to use it. But a tool that essentially just leverages the links you click off into uh, and things that you spend more time looking at, et cetera, to just generate a score and show you and guess what's relevant to you, just using some sort of machine learning, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah. Aggregating those kinds of things. Because if there was like a remove noise button in Twitter, I would love it. Because some <laughs> of my favorite follows, like people that I love to follow, are also the most noisy when it comes to that other stuff. Like they're constantly trying to pick fights or whatever. Yeah, that's it. Oh, on that note... You'll have to check out uh, Jameson's machine learning and JavaScript presentation. He actually had the same idea for doing Reddit, and he wrote a little thing to train it. That's awesome. See, if you could do that with all of your feeds, you know what I mean? Like, here's my Google Reader, here's Twitter, here's Reddit. Show me what's relevant. And I could figure out things that are popping up a lot, etc. Like, I think that would be a really interesting um, thing to use. I wonder and if I wonder. I wonder how you would implement something like that, though. Would you just build like a Chrome extension or something that, so that when you click on it, it's like, okay, you're in Twitter, so or you know whatever app you use for Twitter, and then it's, you know, you clicked on this link. So generally, things tweeted by this person or on this website or that have these keywords. Yeah, that would actually be. I mean, I like the idea of a Chrome extension because then people don't have to leave what they're using. But obviously, the simple and straightforward way is to give them a UI, like an aggregate UI, right? And you know exactly what they're clicking on, exactly what they're you know closing. Because if you close, you can remove scores and things like that. But but yeah, Twitter does have tons and tons of noise. It does. Like I keep my Twitter account open since we were talking, and I've probably seen like forty tweets, and I'm not following that many people, less than three hundred people, which is not a lot compared to some people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think another really good way to keep up to date is through the community, the the actual face-to-face -face community, which mean, meaning generally it's either the developers you work with or user groups you attend. Oh, you mean like the user groups that I haven't been to for a few months? Those would be the ones. Yeah, I haven't seen you guys in a while, have I? No, nope. you haven't. I forget what you look like. You know, like, I, I those are definitely key uh, particularly because 
they add a human element to a field that feels so not human. Right. Like, I think that also contributes to my burnout, is that people don't act the same on the internet as they do in person. And there's something about meeting with people in person that's just wholly refreshing. The other thing that I really like is Airbnb's meetups. Like, there's these, they're online meetups, um, and Airbnb does a great job of, like, getting good people. For example, tomorrow, I think, we're going to have Isaac from, he's the lead on Node.js. He's going to talk about the next version of Node. But but those are just awesome, like, I don't know, they're just great in terms of really solid content uh, from a video perspective. Another blog that would be a shame not to mention, I'm sorry, is Adi Osmani's. Like, he's, he's interesting because he's not so much focused on web development and he's more focused on application development. Yeah. You know, design patterns, those kinds of things. Yeah. He's a very connected individual. He he's is. Filter- he's obviously doing a lot of filtering. Yeah, he does. He does a lot of filtering. Um, and, and he does a great job for it. Like, and he also, I don't, like, he, he takes existing content and he makes it more consumable for the masses. Like he's definitely popular because of that. He takes somewhat complex content and he makes it beautiful and he makes it more consumable. Like, a lot of his stuff is not, like, novel. You know, like, they're not, like, his ideas. And I, I hope that's not insulting to say that, because maybe they are, and, I, and I've and i missed some behind-doors meetings. But a lot of his stuff is, like, I mean, a lot of it is novel, but a lot of it is him taking other people's work and really making it applicable yeah. and practical. Absolutely. Absolutely. Eddie has money's really good for that. So one of the things that I think is also valuable is to watch the email discussions that go on over a user group. So like Utah.js, their, their discussions are really useful. I also belong to the Utah uh, Software Craftsmanship User Group. And I just I was just thinking about this. There's a lot of user groups out there that are having very interesting discussions, and you don't have to live in the state and physically attend the meetings to join their email lists and be part of their user group uh, online and still get to see the conversations that are being had. And it's unlike Twitter, there's a lot less noise. Sure, there might be noise that's about, you know, hey, where are we going to meet up or things like that. But then they're also discussing something that's very interesting and it's widely applicable. It's not just for the people that happen to live where that user group meets. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So besides the Utah JS and Utah software craftsmanship user groups, I'm not sure what other user groups would be great ones to Everyone uh, has their own join. local ones. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. they're probably stronger than Utah JS in some cases. Yeah, well, but not as good a quality. Definitely, Utah JS has got the top for quality. Oh yeah, One thing we should I've start seen... some gang wars about JavaScript <laughs> <laughs> user groups. There you go. Um, we we have a, a premium list for Ruby Rogues, and uh, so that's not necessarily localized around a, a location. It's actually you know kind of centers around the podcast, and we really have some of the best discussions on there about not just Ruby, but about programming in general. And it's, it's, it's really just amazing. So yeah, those, those lists definitely pay off. And it's funny because the more expertise you pull in, the more interesting people you're able to get on those lists. Um, you, you really do get some, some interesting and powerful things going on. So that's awesome. I, I have to back you up on that because it's really, really cool. One other area that I get a lot of uh, value from, um, not necessarily in JavaScript in particular, but in some of the other areas, is podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, are there any podcasts that you guys listen to 
besides this show that, that, that help you kind of stay up on top of things? I listen to uh, the change log. The change log. That's a good one. Is that the one with Win Netherland? Honestly, I'm not sure the names. I mean, who knows who's on podcasts, right? Yeah, I think it's Win and Adam somebody. Okay. So I don't really listen to podcasts very often, but what I do like to check out is uh, Yahoo Theater. That's where the the Douglas Crockford videos are hosted and uh, David Glass videos and lots of lots of video series. Also, Google Tech Talks. Whenever Google has a conference and then just sporadically throughout the year, Google releases um, videos on their Tech Talk channel. And I've gotten a lot of education just by going on YouTube, going to the Google Tech Talks channel and searching for JavaScript or HTML or whatever. And that's yeah. a format that really works great for me. When I was a student, I would, I would use the Firefox video download helper extension to uh, download the videos and get them on my iPod. And then I just... I listen and watch these as I walk to school or walked across campus. Yeah, that's awesome. I, on that note, Coursera is amazing. Like, it's just amazing. I love stuff like that. Coursera.org. It's a bunch of free, higher-level educational courses on really interesting content like algorithms, machine learning. Scala. Functional, Scala. Functional I love that. Functional programming principles. You'll find that I'm a huge Scala fanboy. <laughs> I'm a I'm a wannabe Scala user in JavaScript worlds. Um, so so are there any other good places for video? Then it sounds like you guys have kind of moved into the video realm. One of my uh, favorite video places is InfoQ.com. Their stuff is more centered around craftsmanship and agile as a concept. Um, there are a few. In fact, right now there's one of the very very recent ones is Jeremy Ashkenas. Uh, Ashkenas. There we go. Thank you. Yep. Jeremy Ashkenas. Uh, made a presentation about MVC frameworks. I don't remember the exact title of it, but they're not always very tech specific. Oftentimes they're just something about general and agile or scaling or something, but I find a lot of interesting talks there. And you can download the uh, uh, video as just an audio file instead and just listen to it as a podcast. So that's a really cool feature. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, this isn't on video, but trying to do research and just release like a blog post you will learn a ton from that, primarily because people will not not keep themselves quiet if you do something wrong. Right. So I love that. Like, like I wrote a I wrote a article on dependency injection with like Angular JS style dependency injection, and the one of the creators of Angular JS kind of corrected me on one of my points, and I loved it. I actually I absolutely loved it, and and he did it in a way that was very educational for me. Kind of embarrassing, but. Uh, not not totally. Like, it was awesome. And I find that when you do that kind of stuff, or when you release projects, etc., people will give you ideas that you would not have otherwise had. Or or they'll correct misconceptions that are fine-knit. You know what I mean? Like, you look at Dave Herman, one of the, one of the smartest guys uh, out there, in my opinion. He's just brilliant. And you take his, his uh, example about how he got called out on currying when he should have called it partial application. That's a nitpick, but the guy wrote a book to get reminded of that. You know what I mean? So like, like trying to be a creator and not a consumer has been something that A, has helped me be a lot happier as a person, like just trying to create something, but also like it's, it's been way more beneficial than just consuming all the time. Yeah. So be a creator, not a consumer. And I think it'll make the world more awesome and it'll make, you'll stay up to date a lot better because you're creating what's up to date. I mean, that's just, that's the way that I've been looking at it and I've really enjoyed it. 
There's a, <clears throat> there was a very interesting, <clears throat> this isn't necessarily specifically related to video, uh, but there's a lot of video on here. There was an article from Smashing Magazine called Talks to Help You Become a Better Front End Engineer in 2013. And from that, one of the talks that jumped right out at me that I uh, just, it was just the slides, unfortunately, was called How to Stay Up to Date on Web Technology. And I'll put those two links in the show notes. But, you know, there's a lots, of, lots of places that aggregate uh, different talks. And you can go through and just watch the talks or the slides. And there might be videos, there might be articles or whatever. But that was a pretty interesting one and led me to, I don't know, tens of hours of research that I could do. Yeah, that was by Chris Coyer, I think. And he does a great job of aggregating and filtering content for people. Absolutely. Nice. So one other one other area that we can talk about, and we've talked about this before on the show. Um, hey, Chuck. Yeah. Before you do that, I we didn't get to hear what your podcast you like to listen to. So um, the podcasts that I listen to uh, about programming are mostly related to uh, either Ruby or just, uh, you know, programming in general. I listen to all of the podcasts that I'm actually on. Um, on top of that, there is a premium podcast called Ruby Tapas that I watch that, that has more to do with Ruby. Um, I do listen to the JavaScript show on occasion when they're producing it, which they haven't done for a while. And I really like things like the Wide Teams podcast, where he's talking about remote teams and remote uh, working, uh, stuff like that. And then um, I listen to a lot of... Uh, oh, I also have Emacs Rocks, which I don't think has been updated in a while either. But uh, I've, I've picked up Emacs, and so that's kind of what I've been doing there. Yeah, I, I generally... I, I don't have great stuff on JavaScript. I used to listen to the YayQuery podcast, but Paul Irish isn't doing it anymore, so... Um, mm. you, you know, Paul Irish and uh, Adi Osmani are doing a show that they published on their Google Plus feeds, and I can't remember what the name of that show is. Yeah, Google Plus is turning out to be a really great source of awesome content, yeah. I've found. Yeah, yeah, especially with their communities, their new communities feature. Um, you mm -hmm. can get some really interesting discussions going there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, most of the time, if I'm trying to figure out a particular technology, I'll just go to the website and read the documentation or work through a problem in it. But that doesn't necessarily keep me up to date. That's that's more just a learning process for me. And uh, yeah, I'm so this is this has been really um, kind of an opportune thing for me because I know where to go for things like uh, Ruby, um, but I I didn't always know where to go for things uh, related to JavaScript. So that that this is this has all been uh, really helpful for me. Oh, I hope so. I. You know, I'm open to, if anyone wants to hit me up on the internet too, like I'm dying to, to find more more places, more interesting content, more stuff of substance too, hopefully. Yeah, in fact, if you have kind of a secret sauce or some place that we haven't mentioned on the show, um, by all means, just tweet at uh, JSJabber and uh, let us know what they are. And, and I'll try and uh, retweet those out so that, you know, everybody else can see them as well. Um, right. The name of that show that Adi Osmani and Paul Irish do is called The Breakpoint. That's right. And they do a lot of developer tooling discussion, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Is it in iTunes? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. It's videos on Google+. Plus, so I think they're on YouTube, the videos themselves. Yeah. The Breakpoint? The Breakpoint. And you, if you either add, follow, go to Adi Osmani's Google Plus page or I assume Paul Irish's as well, um, I just happy to find it really quickly here through Adi Osmani then you can find it or just 
I'm sure if you Google the breakpoint and Adi Osmani and Paul Irish, you'll find it. Yeah, I, I don't see it in iTunes. I would love for them to put it in iTunes. Anyway. A few other awesome blogs. HTML5 Rocks is great. Like, they do a lot of stuff on new APIs you can play with. Like, I love that. A Minute with Brendan, which is Brendan Ike's blog. Uh-huh. John Resig's blog, he's starting to update it again, so that has promise. He's the guy that created jQuery. And NodeUp is actually a really interesting podcast that I listen to as well, if you're interested in Node.js. Awesome. Well, what about conferences? Do they... We, we talked about attending the conferences, but do a lot of the conferences publish videos of the talks that were given at their conferences? Yeah, totally. I, I think that's a great point to bring up conferences. They're pretty... Conferences are just invaluable. They're awesome, man. And in JavaScript, we have tons of options. Yeah. Yeah. Our very own uh, Merrick Christensen spoke at Cascadia JS, and they published all their videos. <laughs> yeah, they published all of them. That was, that was a great conference, too. Um, obviously, JSConf, NodeConf, all sorts of HTML conferences, rich internet conf. Like, there's so many conferences. And I think it would be really interesting to maybe set up a poll or something and see what our listeners are attending. Right. Does JSConf publish their um, totally. conferences? Yeah, totally. Sessions? And this year, JSConf does too, I believe. Yeah, Fluent. I mean, I mean, man, we may not have a lot of podcasts, but we have a ton of conferences. Yeah. And if you're a conference organizer and you're not recording and with the intention of publishing your sessions and you haven't, it hasn't happened yet, please change your mind. Why are you being so selfish? <laughs> I guarantee it will not increase your subscribership because you don't publish the sessions. Yeah. All right. Well, um, are there any other avenues that we haven't explored here for places to go? We touched on Reddit. We touched on podcasts. We touched on Twitter. Touched on videos. Divine inspiration. <laughs> is 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 there any way that you guys aggregate all of this, or do you like sometimes go look at Twitter, and sometimes go look at the feed reader? Or... Yes. So, well, like, I'm always yeah. Option two. I'm always doing all of it all the time. So, so you're 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 looking at all of the different places that you aggregate it? Unfortunately, yeah. Like, I use the Twitter client. I use Reader. It's a beautiful app. And then, like I said, like, all of it, I end up funneling into that readability, which I was talking about earlier. It's kind of like Instapaper. Uh, it's readitlater.com? Uh, readability.com. Readitlater is the same kind of service, any of those kinds of service that kind of just store stuff. I'll share a link to readability, yeah. But I end up putting stuff in there for when I actually have time to really dive down into something and consume it, which is great because when you're just going through stuff, you don't have time to yeah. really digest it. Get a get a tablet. If you, if you don't have much money, buy a cheap Android tablet and then sync your stuff with read it, read it later, readability, and read it when you're... When you got time. time. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's really enjoyable. All right, cool. Well, um... I think we're getting pretty close to needing to end this uh, show, so we'll move on to the picks. Joe, what are your picks? So, let's see. I'm going to pick uh, <clears throat> two things. I played this uh, game called Sherlock Holmes, and I guess it's actually been out for a little while, but it was really fun. It's a board game, although it doesn't play like any board game I've ever played before. You actually um, there, you can only play it ten times because there's only ten uh, mysteries, but every time you play it takes about an hour. For us, it takes about an hour and a half the first time but you go through and um you hear about you're you're supposed to be trying to solve a, a mystery that sherlock holmes is also trying to solve you actually get to go through like kind of a booklet with clues and for every clue that you look like you lose points 
because you're trying to solve it in the least number of clues possible, solve the mystery. And it took about an hour. It was really fun. Had a really good time playing that. And so the my second pick is going to be uh, on the iPad. I just picked up the game. It's Might and Magic. I think it's called Clash or Crash. I don't remember exactly. But it's a really cool iOS game, uh, Might and Magic game. And it was really well done. The iOS games, there's a lot of really, really, really casual oriented iOS games, but not much that really have any depth to them, especially if you actually are a pretty serious gamer. And so this was actually has a lot more depth than your typical iOS or um, mobile game. So I'm going to pick that one as well. All right, cool. All right, Merrick, go ahead. What are your picks? So I'm ashamed I haven't picked this one before, and it's it's Diet Coke. I love Diet Coke so much, uh, <laughs> particularly with citrus, like a little bit of lime or lemon in there. Mm, mm, it's amazing. Uh, and then the other one is Noah Gunderson. I'm going to go see his show tomorrow, and I'm just looking forward to it. He's acoustic music. And the third one is Anise Mojiani. He's a poet. Both of those guys just create beautiful things, and I love it. So those are my picks. Awesome. I need to make a public apology to the jQuery community at large. I want to uh, appreciate Merrick for calling me out on my crap last podcast. Thank and, you. Was it uh, was it the exceptions? I was never able to oh reproduce the problem that I thought oh I was having. So either I, I imagine so it redeemed. or so redeemed. whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so it does it does swallow. S- it does swallow some bro. of the errors, is, right? Just as part of what it does as a feature. But the exceptions, I was not able to reproduce the swallowing of exceptions. So if it, it ever existed as a problem, which I can't confirm that it did, it certainly doesn't exist now. That was that, that was just in my head. Um, potentially. <laughs> I hate you. Um, so as penance <laughs> for that, I uh, wrote a little article on how to load jQuery anywhere using a bookmarklet. And um, and so I'll I'll pick that as as penance to the jQuery community, and then also just for fun for those of you that are using Ubuntu, I created a script that installs all the things that you sh- should have gotten installed out of the box but didn't, and so <laughs> I'll pick that. Um, and those were my my selfish picks, uh, except Merrick. I I picked him for calling me out of my crap, and that was Thank that you. was purely altruistic. <laughs> that was that was very humble. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So uh, I have a couple of picks. The first pick is, um, well, one of the fans of the Ruby Rogues podcast sent uh, all of the rogues um, a twenty dollars gift certificate to ThinkGeek, and so I went through ThinkGeek, and you know, some of the stuff is fun, some of the stuff is funny, some of the stuff is in poor taste, and. I was looking through it and there really wasn't anything that I was looking at that I had to have except one thing that I eventually found. So if you're a Doctor Who fan, you probably recognize this sound. (laughs) I have a sonic screwdriver, um, which is uh, the doctor's tool for doing all the... Chuck, if I had respect for you, I think I'd just lost it. (laughs) <laughs> it is such a funny show. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so uh this is the 11th Doctor's sonic screwdriver and uh you know it pops out and uh you know it has buttons on it to make the noises so 
if 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 I ever have to uh, hack a le- uh, uh, computers or anything, then I have a sonic screwdriver to do that with. But uh, anyway, I'm I'm a huge fan of the show, and I just I thought it was fun, so I wasn't going to get anything too serious. The other pick that I want to pick is uh, something that uh, I I think I picked the power map before, um, but and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I'm going to pick it again if I haven't picked it before. And that is, um, I got an iPhone. Um, it's kind of a juice pack or a battery pack um, that you can just throw onto the power mat and it will um, it will charge up on its own. And there have been a few times where I've forgotten to charge my phone. And so I'll just pull it off. Um, it, it has the 30-pin connector, so I have to use an adapter to charge my phone with it. But man, it charges the whole thing up. It charges it up pretty darn fast. And uh, then I can just carry my phone around in my pocket and not worry about it. So uh, those are my picks this week. And we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you all next week.